late fall. Okay. That way, while it's still a puppy and it needs constant attention, I can get like a little puppy carrier and just bring it to work with me. Oh yeah. Just drive around with it. And some of my, I know that some of my house call clients would totally love to have me bring it in. So what kind of puppy are you getting? Dude, I would love to get, we both grew up with labs, so we really like mm-hmm. labs. Cause I thought you were saying Corgi a little while ago. I do like Corgis. Dude, I like but Everybody has a Corgi right now. That's thing. true. It is very popular. I also really like, um, wiener dogs. Yeah. I think they're adorable. Yeah. Um, I love English bulldogs. Those are super hard nice to find. Jowly. Yeah. They're really hard to find and they're, it's really, it's almost impossible to rescue them. You have to go to a breeder and then they're like mm-hmm. $2,000. You're like, yeah, you know, there's lots of really good dogs that aren't $2,000. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. If I could find like a English bulldog mix at a shelter, that would be, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I would go for that. Shall we get rolling? We should. Let's get it. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Big Freaking Health Coach Podcast. I'm Big Freaking Neil, and I'm joined, of course, as always, without exception, my business partner, buddy brain twin, Health Coach Kane. I think I flip-flop the order on the bees every single time. That's fine. I always like There's right not before. a hierarchy. <laughs> I know, but, but I like Buddy Brain Twin together because it sounds buddy like, hey, brain Buddy twin. Brain Twin, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> Business partner, Buddy Brain Twin. Yeah, yeah. that's the best one. Yeah. All right, we'll try to stick with that. Just remember, Buddy goes in the middle. Buddy. <laughs> buddy. Dude, I could really use a pick me up. Could you? How about you? Uh, do we want to talk about where we're broadcasting from real quick? I guess we should probably mention that. I think so. I think it's a huge deal and everyone should know. So this is officially the big freaking domicile that we're broadcasting from. So my wife and I just closed on a house. Uh, Let's see. What's today? Tuesday? No. Thursday. 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 Dude, I am two days behind right now. Close? In one (laughs) of those weeks. Uh, So a week ago, uh, this past Tuesday is when we closed. So we've literally been here a week and two days. And it's awesome. I'm happy for you, man. Thank That's you, buddy. super great. I appreciate it. Also, this office is going to be fucking dope. It's going to be <laughs> badass. We have a, a nice little podcast studio space now and a place for me to put my excessive number of guitars. There's so, no such thing as an excessive true. number of guitars. You haven't looked in my closet, though. Um, <laughs> You've only seen what's out on the floor, which is already a lot. You only have six out here. I figure that's like, uh, like the, a good start. Yeah, double it. There's a double, easily another double. six in the closet. I think yeah. you'll probably have about... We'll 10x this over the next few years, I think. I think that's very true. There's a lot of wall space in here for hanging guitars. Yeah. There's four walls. It's going to look like a damn guitar center in here. <laughs> Literally, it is. I'll come in and be like, can I try this one? <laughs> no, I've never played before. Want to hear Stairway to Heaven? <laughs> This is Blackbird. Uh, and then you'll, you'll take them all down and play them all and leave without buying anything. Yep, exactly. <laughs> like, no, I think I'm going to look on Craigslist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, man. What uh, what am I drinking today? Oh, dude, you're drinking only the best stuff. Yes. This wonderful concoction. Uh-huh. It's called Monster Dragon Tea. Ooh. It is a green tea <laughs> energy drink, and it has a whopping 20 calories to it, so I'm sorry. 
of 35 per cam. I think so I'll be okay. I'll, factor that in. I'll do an extra 10 seconds of cardio. <laughs> 10 whole seconds? Are you Ten. okay? You, you sure? I don't you know got if the I can add that on. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, that's... It says non-carbonated, so enjoy that. Interesting. Nice flat. Get it in a flat out of a can is gonna be (laughs) it's gonna be a weird, weird experience. I'm not gonna lie, I'm super interested. All right, buddy, you're speaking of interesting. Oh Jesus. You are drinking a monster. Okay. So far. Is Java Swiss chocolate flavored. Who asked for this? (laughs) Like what person was going, dude, you know how you like monster energy drink? Yeah. I accidentally dropped some coffee and chocolate <laughs> into it. Let's just make this a thing. So it's it's so satisfying to me, your reaction, your adverse reaction to any coffee-related drinks that I think 100% of them <laughs> just need to somehow be related to coffee. And, you know, because I've had such a strong reaction, I know that much like real-life brothers... Uh-huh. This is why you pick this shit. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Ooh, he'll hate this. This is <laughs> awesome. He's going to be so angry. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. I'm interested in what you think of this. Yeah. Because I really like, like, a chocolate mocha. Yeah. That's bomb. So, if this, if it's monster that is, like, regular monster flavored this way, that's going to be horrible. Yeah. But if it's like a straight up if mocha can, in a can, if this is like those those uh, Starbucks frap things, then this might be bomb. It could be. I don't know. It could be. It, I don't know. I'm gonna try and take. Did you watch Friends? Oh hell yeah! Okay. At good. least I, two. I thought you were a at good least person. two or three times. Uh, you know that episode where Rachel makes Thanksgiving dinner and she makes that English trifle and she puts the beef in the middle of it. Yes, and Joey's and just he's pounding like, it. Jelly, good. <laughs> beef, good. What's not to like? Yes. I'm hoping uh, that I can yeah. Tribbiani this. There you go. There you go. That's the goal. Friends is such a good show. It was, man. I didn't like the last, like, two seasons because it was just a straight-up soap opera. Yeah, it got and a little soapy for sure. Occasionally, Chandler would say something funny. Yeah. And you'd be like, why is Ross a functional adult and all his friends aren't? <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. All right, let's try this. All right, buddy. This is delicious. Is it? I, See, am, I had a oh feeling. Oh my God. <laughs> I, had a, <laughs> I had a strong feeling. You done me right, man. This okay. is. See? Nice little ooh, treat for you. Nice little chocolatey treat. 4.5. Nice. Uh-huh. What, what are the sugar grams we're working with? Oh, not great, probably. <laughs> 20, 37 grams of carbs per can. Okay. It doesn't break down. Oh, sugar's 35 grams. Okay. So it is sugar heavy. Okay. But it's filled with chocolate, so... I mean, for a... For a... What is that? A 16-ounce can? It's uh, Yes. 15 fluid ounces. 15-ounce can. That's a weird number. Yeah. 15-ounce can... Filled with chocolate. I mean, that's... I would have thought more. I would have thought, like... Yeah. 50. So... So it's... Only 35. Could be worse. Could be worse. A whopping 230 calories per can. Okay. <laughs> Nine grams of protein. Which there you, you don't see in an energy drink very often. Yeah. So it's literally, like, cold brew. Uh, not cold brew. Like, it's like a mocha. It's, it's a mocha. It's a straight-up mocha. Nice, dude. I will take it. You're this welcome. Is solid. Thank you, you. you are welcome. This is good. So this is a uh, definitely tea. <laughs> so for 20 calories, it is sweeter than I thought it would be, which I'm happy about because I don't, I can't stand unsweetened tea. Yeah, seriously. Um, 
little bump. That, that uh oh, good. so there's two servings in here, so it is a whopping 40 calories. <gasps> oh god, is it 40? Yeah, that's also 15. That's 15.5 fluid ounces, according to that can. That's weird. Who is doing just make a 16 ounce can? These are like identical sizes, right? Do they just intentionally not fill one as much as the other? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, they're all... also know that the monster is 16 ounces. Yeah. Right? So they're all 16 ounce can, sixteen ounce cans, but they don't quite fill it all the way or something? Do you, do you think maybe that, like, for some reason, they need more room in one because it, like, expands or contracts or freezes or something like that when you transport these? Oh, maybe. So you Especially make the same size can, but it's maybe. 15 fluid ounces? I would think with non-carbonated stuff, though, that wouldn't be a... Would be a thing. I don't know. Well, who knows, dude? Let's get to the bottom of this. Everyone let's, has time to listen to us talk about this. <laughs> let's call the number on the can live on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. So many questions. Also, this is being recorded for quality assurance purposes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do we have your release of liability? Oh man, uh, what, what should we talk about today? Well, I think today the focus should be we've done a lot of work talking about habit-based, lifestyle-based goal-setting. And what we should do is acknowledge that not all goals in the short term Mm. work that way. Yeah, And we should do an episode based on how to set a goal and prepare a plan based on a fixed date and outcome. Yeah. Yep. So pretty much all of our content up to this point understandably so, has been about sustainable habits over a very long period of time. Which is still preferable. Which is still preferable because that is, I mean, even if you are preparing for a specific event, you need the, the basis still needs to be those long-lasting habits Mm -hmm. to even get you to that point where you're preparing for an event. So it's still very, very relevant. Um, But I think it'll be nice for people to hear an actual, actual practical steps to getting ready for something more short-term. Yeah. And maybe a little bit more extreme. Um, And what do we think the overarching biggest difference there is? Is it just like the work's the same, but you don't have the opportunity to build habits one at a time? You have to kind of adopt them all and more or less of a a blitz up front. Um, Are there other aspects that go into it? Um, Yeah. And based on your current goals, which we should talk about a little bit, I think uh, you are the perfect guy to talk to about this right now. So to preface this, and this isn't at this point, if you follow me on social media, you already know this, but a few of you may not. Um, so you don't, you should at big freaking Neil on Instagram, check it out, shoot me a follow. Um, so I am currently 10 and a half ish weeks out from a classic physique show, which I'm doing in November. Um, so Isn't this I, like five weeks after you said you weren't going to do a bodybuilding it, show again? Something like that. <laughs> something like that, yeah. <laughs> and then Big Neil went and he's looking in the mirror and he's like, you know what? You know what? I can probably do that. Right. <laughs> so what happened was we've talked on here before about me shifting my goals more towards fat loss. Mm-hmm. Partially because of the uncertainty with gyms being open. I didn't want to get on a straight up powerlifting program to have that ripped out from under me again. Smart. Because I can't get stronger at home. I just can't, but I can literally lift your house, (laughs) literally lift the foundation, but I can do enough to maintain muscle mass while cutting. So I'm like, okay, even if this gets ripped out from under me, I'll still be able to somewhat maintain these goals and stay on track. And then started to see results, uh, started to put some feelers out there and talk to other people in the bodybuilding space and just kind of got this little seed planted in my head. 
And the thing about Big Freakin' is when there's a seed planted in his head, it's really hard to get rid of it until it grows in the sun. Neil doesn't plant seeds. He just buys the whole tree and plants that shit instead. That's, that's accurate. Yeah, that is and accurate. The, the plan going forward is more like, it's not, oh, let's grow this into a tree. It's mm. now let's build a tree house in here and we'll put a tire swing on it. It's very true. I am 100% an all or nothing person, which... Uh, can sometimes be hindrance if the goal is to build like slow, sustainable habits. But I've been able to, over the years, learn how to harness that into real positive things for me mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, so yeah, I'm currently a little over 10 weeks out and I would say the biggest difference between business as usual, you know, just cause I've already built the habits of going to the gym every day of tracking my food every day, of, you know, staying on some semblance of a program when it comes to my nutrition. Mm -hmm. The difference is the the day-to-day numbers are much more specific and dialed in, and the consistency is on another level. There's no room, there's no room anymore for not being unrelentingly consistent. Mm-hmm. That's what it boils down to. And I think that's the biggest difference between building a long-term sustainable goal and a short-term goal is your short-term goal. You really have to be consistent to get there within a, a short timeline like that. And does that, so let's say for, for someone who's not already lifting five, six days a week. Yeah. So you're doing two or three days a week and then you go, oh, I have this wedding, high school, college reunion, whatever summer is in a month, like sure. whatever your end date and your end goal are, how does that manageable lifestyle habit switch into high gear? Yeah. Like is training frequency automatically a thing that you have to increase? Obviously the nutrition adherence becomes more important. Yep. Can you walk us through how you made the decisions on how to alter your program and yes. which pieces have to be there every day? Sure. So there's definitely a hierarchy to it. Number one is definitely going to be your nutrition. That's what has to be most consistent because, and I've said this before, your nutrition needs to be so on point that even if, um, even if something else starts to slip, like your training, you should still be making progress from your nutrition alone. Mm -hmm. So that is step one is dialing in your nutrition to whatever that short term goal is. So for me, um, that looks like lowering my calories by about uh, 500 to get in mm-hmm. a solid deficit and then really getting more anal, I guess, about my macros. Because before, basically the only, the only two things that I ever looked at before, if I'm not preparing for something, are total calories mm-hmm. and protein grams, which are the two, by far the two most important things in general. Um, so as long as I'm hitting my staying within my calorie goal and I'm hitting my protein minimum, then then I'm good most of the time. Mm-hmm. Now, there are specific reasons why my carbs have to be at a certain level and it changes throughout the week too. So right now it's not crazy complicated, but what I'm doing guys is uh, roughly 200 grams of carbs throughout the week, which for me is low enough that by the time Friday rolls around, I'm fairly glycogen depleted mm-hmm. at that point. And then Friday is my refeed day. Okay. Now the, this is going to get a little bit overly complicated, 
But the reason for a refeed day, long story short, is uh, to boost your leptin levels primarily because those will start to dip if you are um, more so the leaner you get. If you're lean, trying to get even leaner, this is especially important. Or if you've been in a calorie deficit for just a really long time. And leptin is super important for managing hunger and also regulating your metabolism. So by throwing that refeed day in there, you are spiking your leptin levels, keeping your metabolism high. It also will help with performance in the gym. So I, I time my heaviest workout, which is the workout I do deadlifts in, mm-hmm. for Fridays because that's my refeed day. You have the most energy. Exactly. I have enough carbs in my system to get through that heavy workout. And everyone, this is advanced nutrition stuff. So mm-hmm. if... Uh, if you don't have solid nutrition habits, do not jump in with this. Definitely not. Go back to our fat loss hierarchy episode, which I think is what, number four? Number uh, five? I believe four or five, it's, yeah. It's early Somewhere on. There. And start with those habits there and then come back to this episode. And when those are solidified, definitely try some of the stuff that Neil's talking about right now. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it, that just goes to show the difference, the big differences between those long-term goals, which would be like what we talked about in that episode you just mentioned, and then really dialing in for a short-term goal. That's why it's different for me. That's That's why. Also why it works. Yeah. You have the foundation. This takes it to the next level. If you were just to do what sounds pretty much like just all macro tracking and a little bit of carb cycling, Mm -hmm. if you were just to do that, it would not make the difference that you want it to without those underlying habits. Yeah. I would say 90% of people, at least, that have a fat loss goal are probably not to the point where they need to uh, apply these types of techniques. Yeah. It is definitely a small percentage of people. Um, But yeah, that's sort of beside the point. That that Mm. shows a good breakdown of how my specific nutrition program immediately had to shift Mm-hmm. when I set out on a shorter term goal. That's pretty solid advice though for anybody who's looking to, to cut a bit before an event. Yeah. Like you want to lose a couple pounds for a wedding. You want to hit beach season really hard. Yeah. Uh, paying attention to your carbohydrate intake mm-hmm. and cycling it up a little bit on workout days, down a little bit on recovery days. Oh, absolutely. Is, is a great way to put a little edge on your existing fat loss goal. Absolutely. Practices. Hormone levels aside, um, yeah, even just even just for performance, mm-hmm. having slightly higher carbohydrates on heavy workout days can be really beneficial if you're in a calorie deficit because you're low on energy at that point. So you take in the energy when you're going to need it and then lower the energy level when you're not going to need it. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Perfect. That's solid for nutrition. Mm-hmm. Diligent, takes a lot of discipline, yeah. but it'll get you there. Tell us, tell us about the uh, exercise component now. Yeah. So for me specifically, transitioning from a powerlifting program, which is very high intensity all the time. That's always Mm -hmm. how I like to train as a powerlifter is, you know, not like we're not talking I'm maxing out every single session or anything like that, but staying, staying in a lower rep range pretty consistently. Yeah. Um, It's like the one to four, one to six, maybe. Yeah. I'd say one to six on most things and very little accessory work. So I would do, you know, a a couple accessory things for each major lift, but they would all be done with that same level of intensity and they would all be heavy. So like instead of following bench press with 
a cable fly or something of that nature, mm-hmm. I would go over to the dip bar, load my waist up with three 45-pound plates, and knock out heavy sets of five on dips. Yeah. So even the accessory stuff was really high intensity, and they were still compound movements. I did very little single joint exercises for a long right. time. So powerlifting, primary, short sets, really yeah. heavy, weak point or accessory work training, really heavy. Yeah. So like those dips are going to crush your chest, but they're also going to really crush your triceps. Yes. So time. like things that support your primary lift also done really heavy. Big time. No room for like lateral dumbbell raises Mm-mm. or nothing like that. Band tricep extensions. Yeah. And the, the <laughs> other thing people don't usually take into account is when you are training like that, you're, it's so much harder to recover mm-hmm. from that type of training that by throwing a whole bunch of single joint exercises on the tail end of your workout, all that's really doing is hindering your recovery. Yeah. Your body wants to go rest from the sets of three you just did on bench. It doesn't want to sit there on the, the incline bench and do a whole bunch of flies. Right. Well, and what you've done is is plenty for protein synthesis. It's yeah. plenty to actually build strength in those muscle fibers. That is in the maximal strength range. Absolutely. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with with rep ranges and how they lean towards your goals. Yeah. Um, everything else, I call it garbage volume. Mm-hmm. It's doing more shit for the sake of doing more shit. Yeah. And great. Now you're just more tired and it'll take you three days to recover instead of two. Exactly. Awesome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this doesn't help you. There's for sure, especially when you're starting your workout with that kind of intensity, there is a very steep uh, point of what's, what's the phrase I'm looking for. There's definitely a, a point you reach where you're no longer getting benefit from the added volume. Right. Point 100%. of diminishing returns. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> yes, Exactly. So yeah, now the way that shifted is uh, I'm still doing a couple of lifts per week, a couple of exercises per week, I should say, like a power lifter. Mm -hmm. So I'm still bench pressing fairly heavy. Uh, That's actually what I did today. And I'm still deadlifting fairly heavy. Now, because my calories are lower and I have less energy, I'm not trying to squat and deadlift heavy every week. I'm going more for moderate weight for higher volume on my squats and just trying to maintain that power with my deadlift. Gotcha. Um, everything else, though, I'm doing more a ton more volume than I was before. The, the bodybuilding training mentality is so different from powerlifting because in powerlifting, you're always looking for a mechanical advantage so that you're not limited by your muscular fatigue, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So if I'm bench pressing as a power lifter, I'm not trying to overload my, my chest. I'm not trying to fatigue my chest because right. the goal isn't to work your pecs. The Correct. goal is actually to get the bar to the top. Correct. That's why you have, you know, some people have the crazy arch. Mm-hmm. Some power lifters have the crazy arch on the bench press. Um, everything about it is meant to be mechanically advantageous it's not designed to overload specific muscle fibers. Now, as a bodybuilder, the mentality is the opposite. Mm-hmm. You want to put yourself more at a mechanical disadvantage so that you are overloading specific muscle fibers. Yeah. So although there's a lot of overlap and you can effectively focus on a little bit of both, in some ways they're, they're total opposites. Right. So, so the goal shifts completely. I mean, you have strength goals still because you want to maintain the strength that you have. You've done a lot of powerlifting training. You don't want to lose it for this show. Yeah. 
But the real focus is hypertrophy yes. and feeling that neuromuscular connection yes. to the muscles you're intending to work and working them to a decent point of fatigue mm -hmm. so that they will have to rebuild bigger, denser, and stronger. Yes. Yeah, that is the biggest component. And you hear people talk about this all the time. And it's, it's sort of dumb sounding. But the mind-muscle connection is the biggest difference between the two. Because in bodybuilding, that is super important. There's even research out there. I can't remember off the top of my head to cite specific studies or anything. But there's research out there that shows if you think about a muscle while you train it, you build more muscle in that area. Mm -hmm. It really does work. Yeah, the innervation of those motor units increases mm -hmm. and more muscle spindles fibers all that stuff yeah. actually activate because you're concentrating on it yeah and i think it would be just so cool to be on the team to test that stuff right <laughs> that'd be so awesome that would be a blast but uh yes okay so so yeah the other major difference besides increasing volume and um, increasing uh total load on each muscle group um the other biggest difference is focusing specifically on weak point training when it comes to body parts. Mm -hmm. So as a power lifter, it doesn't matter if your chest is, is disproportionately big to your shoulders. You, you don't care. It doesn't affect anything. Yeah. Um, unless for some reason that carries over to your strength, like mm -hmm. your shoulders need to be stronger. But in terms of size and shape, it really doesn't matter. As a power lifter, you want to prioritize the body parts that are weakest in mm -hmm. your overall package. Um, and taking away from the total strength of that movement. Correct. Okay. Correct. So, for example, for me specifically, I've never had a problem having a decently sized chest. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that comes from being a powerlifter and bench pressing heavy all the time. <laughs> um, really? You can. That's, occasionally. That's occasionally. You know. At least twice. twice a week. You've definitely, <laughs> you've definitely spotted me several times on a ridiculously heavy... Bitch press weight that I probably shouldn't have been lifting. While you were benching, I was deadlifting. It was great. It's <laughs> <laughs> efficient exactly. is what it is. <laughs> exactly. Both getting a workout out of it. So, uh, where, where the heck was I going with that? Give, give me back. You're talking about weak here. point training. Oh, yeah. So, for example, my, my chest has always been big. Uh, my shoulders and traps are more of a weak point in proportion to my chest. So right now I'm not training my chest twice a week. I'm training my chest once a week. Mm -hmm. And then I'm doing a shoulder specific workout twice a week for that reason. So there are more specific things like that that you have to think about as opposed to just how do I get my bench press stronger? Right. If that makes sense. That whole said principle coming back, specific adaptations to impose demands. Yeah. You've switched the focus of your training yeah. to a different body part. So that you can grow even bigger shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I also think that applying that kind of timeline where you're getting ready for something and you have a deadline in 10 weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it is, it really changes the way your mind works. And it changes your mentality in when, you, when you're training because, like I touched on earlier, there's no room for inconsistency. Right. So it's amazing what that timeline will do for your focus. I believe that. And it, it must be nice too to have your motivator yeah. be a fixed date. Yeah. For exactly that reason. Can you tell us what that does for your recovery schedule? Because mm. if you're now on a, I'm eating really well, yeah. but I am in an energy deficit. Yeah. I'm training really often and I'm doing more 
hypertrophic work, which tends to usually lead to a bit more soreness. Yeah. Um, what does your recovery schedule and practice look like? So right now, and this is not something that I would necessarily recommend for everybody, I am just sort of intuitively scheduling recovery. Okay. So over the years, I've built a strong enough connection with how my body feels that I've learned how to really get in tune with it and listen to it, to what it's telling me. Mm-hmm. And I can tell now if I, if a recovery, if a, if I need a recovery day, my body will tell me. Yeah. So I'm not scheduling specific rest days, which mm-hmm. is different for me. I usually do. And with powerlifting, I always did because those workouts are so hard to recover from. I was mm-hmm. usually only working out, uh, four days a week, maybe five when I was powerlifting. Yeah. So I'm not to hit everything twice and get some sleep. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So I'm not scheduling those on specific days of the week. It's when a workout rolls around and I can tell that my body's not ready for it. Then I'll just have a recovery day. I'll still hit some cardio, some low intensity cardio, something like that, just to keep Mm -hmm. things moving. But then I'll take a day off the gym. So you you definitely need to be really, really in tune with how your body's feeling to be able to do that Mm -hmm. for 95% of people, maybe more like 99% of people. You should just schedule your, at least one recovery day every week. Mm -hmm. If you are a psychopath like myself (laughs) and you're super tuned in to what your body's feeling at any given time, then you can adopt more of an intuitive training style. Yeah, for sure. All right. Talk to me a little bit about, let, let's say you have a six-week weight loss goal. You can yeah. get there. It's a reasonable goal. Yeah. But for your energy demands to be met, so you can do your deficit the way you have to, you need to work out six days a week. You cannot miss because mm-hmm. your nutrition's already dialed in as low as it can get without you having headaches and foggy-headedness and that kind of crap that nobody wants. Mm-hmm. How do you best recover from one workout to the next so that you don't have to skip one. Yeah. That really comes down, especially when you're talking about the type of training I'm doing, the more hypertrophy style training, that really comes down to scheduling your training split Mm -hmm. so that there isn't a ton of overlap workout to workout. So I'm able to schedule my, my training split such that if I train a specific body part, I'm not having to worry about training that body part again for at least three or four days. Um, Most things are getting hit twice a week, but I'm allowing, I'm scheduling it such that I'm allowing for a full three or four days between those, those workouts for each body part. So like if you hit your pecs really hard on Monday, yeah, you're not really hitting your pecs much until Thursday again. At least exactly. Okay. Exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. uh, So a, a specific example would be I train my legs on Mondays and Fridays, mm-hmm. Friday being my refeed day. So that is my heavier training session where I do deadlifts. Um, so that's plenty, that's a solid four, four or five days, um, for my legs to fully recover before yeah. I have to hit them again. Nice. That's how I try to schedule every body part. That way, if my legs are super sore, I don't have to worry about it for four days. And then if they're still sore, that's when it's probably time to take a recovery day. Yeah. Do you find yourself sleeping more on this kind of more intense training? You know, ideally, uh, because of... (laughs) I should say, do you find yourself (laughs) wanting to sleep more? (laughs) Yes, (laughs) absolutely. 
Um, yeah, ideally, I wish I were getting a little bit more sleep than I am. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm not sleeping. I'm still getting at least six hours of sleep per night. Mm-hmm. I would prefer fewer nights that are closer to six than eight for yeah. sure. Um, but that's just sort of, there's because of how much that I'm doing at any given time, there are not enough hours in the day, yeah. <laughs> some days to make that happen. You know that, I know, you know that better than anybody. Um, yeah, because when you, when you work long hours, like, like the two of us, when you get home, you still have to make sure that all your meals are prepped. Everything's ready to go for your morning cardio session. That takes time. You still want to spend time with your wife. That takes time. Um, you don't want to get home and then immediately go to bed and then, you know, you never get to see your wife because that sucks. Yeah. And then you still got to get up at five thirty six in the morning to do your cardio before you get busy with the rest of your day. Yeah. So occasionally sleep will take a hit, but again, that's sort of where the intuitive thing comes into play. So when you, uh, let's say you have a really busy week mm-hmm. to get roughly six, if you're lucky, seven hours of sleep a night for yeah. a whole week, you hit your weekend. You have yeah. a day off, you're not working. Yes. Do you sleep extra to make up for it on that day or do you try to keep your same sleep schedule? I definitely will sleep extra. I will keep the exact same routine mm-hmm. of get up, drink my four shots of espresso, <laughs> hit my cardio. That's still mm-hmm. in place, but I will push it back like two hours. Gotcha. So if during the week I'm having to get up at six, then on a, on a weekend day when I don't have clients, then I'll get up at, at eight and I'll catch up on some sleep that way. Gotcha. And you know, if, if I do, if I were to hit a roadblock, actually I'm feeling awesome currently. That's awesome. Feeling really, really good, which is wild. But if I were to hit a roadblock and I can tell that I'm just sleep deprived, I'm not recovering, then some type of sacrifice would have to be made. Either uh, just pick a day where I go to bed super early so I can catch up on some sleep, take a full recovery day, something where I'm actually able to fully recover because that is super important. Yeah. Definitely. Can't stress that enough. And Six hours of sleep per night is not ideal. No, not it's for not, not anyone. <laughs> yeah. You know, we work with what we got. Exactly. Right? We do what we can. It not being optimal doesn't mean don't do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I guess now we should probably circle this back mm-hmm. and explain to people how they can practically apply these principles to their goals And if someone is listening and they do have a wedding that they're preparing for or anything, like maybe you want to run a half marathon Mm -hmm. in 16 weeks or that's an undertaking. (laughs) That would be a short timeline. I'd like to do a triathlon on Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But if you have a specific thing, you have, you have a more specific goal than just building a long-term habit. Yeah. How do we apply these same principles we just discussed so that they're successful, so that at the end of that timeline, they're prepared, they're ready. Um, I think the first thing I recommend is get a coach. Absolutely. Everybody's individual starting point is going to dictate a ton of like where your macros start for your nutrition, how many days a week you can handle and recover for in the gym, and what kind of practices you need to be doing outside to make sure that that recovery goes smoothly and you get adequate recovery. That was a point I was going to make too. The very day that I registered for the show, Mm -hmm. 
I texted our bodybuilding buddy Ty. Yeah. And I've reached out to a couple other people since then because even though I know I know what I need to do over the next 10 weeks to get where I need to be, having having another set of eyes on your program is super important. Yeah. Especially when you're on a on a tight timeline, it's going to screw with your head a little bit. You're going to question whether or not you're on track, whether or not you're ready. And then, of course, with, with bodybuilding specifically, there's all kinds of crazy stuff like posing and mm-hmm. that stuff you definitely need coaches for. Yeah. So needless to say, for me, even as a coach myself, I still need a coach. I all still need people. Need I still need people in my corner. I hire trainers. Yeah. Regularly. Yeah. I don't make me do the stuff I don't like. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, if, if we didn't see value in that, then what would we be doing? What are we doing? <laughs> are we just lying to people? Like, no, you need me, but I don't need that. I don't need anyone. Why would we need that? No, we all no, need this. It's super, super valuable. Yeah. So get a coach. Mm-hmm. Thing number one, if you cannot find a coach, you don't want to get a coach. It's not feasible to get a coach. The big takeaways are dial in your macros. Yeah. And since I, I assume most of the goals people would have are fat loss, generally short-term yeah. result things. The good news is you have a strong motivator. When it comes to the habits, you can slap them on the calendar and then you just have to kind of dig in. Yeah. You don't have to worry about sustainability until after you've met your end goal. Right. So this is the time to grind. Yeah. This is a little more along the lines of what people usually think fitness is. Yeah. Um, so don't worry about that kind of stuff. Your daily win is that you did everything. Yeah. Absolutely. When it comes to the macros, what's a good place for people to start in? Yeah. Because we've talked about total calories and protein a lot, but yeah. give us the deal on carbs and fat. I would say, so there is a, there is a fat minimum, um, and that is based on, fat's an essential nutrient, so it's based on just general functionality of your brain and body, <laughs> you do need a certain minimum of fat. Um, so what I usually tell people is to get a minimum of 0.3 grams per pound of body weight as mm-hmm. your bare minimum. So, and honestly, you could, you could stretch that anywhere from 0.3 to 0.5 times your body weight. Um, that's your, that's your fat goal. And then based on your protein goal and how low your calories need to be, your carbohydrate, carbohydrate goal will take care of itself. Right. It's the leftover. Exactly. Whatever is left over calorie wise, you can dump all that into carbs and you should so that you have some amount of energy that your body's able to use. And when you really want to dial it in, like right now, how do you calculate your total calorie need? Yeah. So super simple. What I do is I go to, I think it's like T D E E calculator.com or something like that, (laughs) but just, just Google T D E E that stands for total daily energy expenditure calculator. And a whole bunch of websites will come up. You'll click on one. You'll put in your gender, age, body weight, um, height, and it will tell you. It will give you an estimate of what your basal metabolic rate is. So mm-hmm. just just how many calories you burn to stay alive and be a person. And then it will give you a couple activity factors. So based on how much you're moving around, how many workouts you're doing, you'll select either you know, sedentary, light activity, moderate activity, heavy activity. That's usually how they're set up. And it will give you an estimate for what your maintenance is. From there, you'll subtract 500 calories as a good starting point and 
start there. Again, it's just a good estimate. It's not a exact perfect science. Yeah. So based it's, on it's closer than our usual recommendation of if you're a man, multiply your weight by twelve. For sure. If you're a woman, multiply your weight by ten. For sure, because it's actually factoring in like your calorie expenditure during workouts, right? Which is super important as well, especially if you're on a timeline. Um, so yeah, start there, and then based on what your scale tells you, what your mirror tells you, how things are progressing, you can make little adjustments here and there. So if you're if you're if you think you're in a five hundred calorie deficit, and your weight is just stuck for multiple weeks, several weeks. Mm-hmm. then you need to revisit that and maybe take a couple hundred calories away. Yeah. Okay, so TDEE calculator. Yes. Then you subtract one gram per pound body weight for your protein intake. Yes. And every gram of protein is four calories. Yep. So do that math. Then you do 0.3 grams per pound of body weight for fat. Mm-hmm. And every gram of fat is nine calories. Yep. So do that math. And then whatever is left over to meet your calorie deficit is what you get for carbohydrates. Yep. So subtract the protein calories from your total. Subtract the fat calories from your total. Then just divide that number by four. And there's your, That's there's your carbs. That's how many grams of carbs you will get. Yep. Because it's also four calories per gram. Nice. So that is a really solid place to start. And that's already way more in depth than what most people are doing just as a sustainable long-term yeah. habit. And the easy way to track all that once you have the math done is to use MyFitnessPal. Yep. We're not sponsored by them. We, they don't even know we're talking about them. It's just a really useful app. We and just, it's free. We just love it. And all our clients use it. Yep. So I'm pretty sure I've used it every day now for... Years? Uh, since you were a little freaking nail? Probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, definitely, definitely utilize MyFitnessPal or something similar. There's other tools out there, but yeah. it's a good one for sure. All right, man. That was a lot to unpack in a very short amount of time. That is a lot to unpack. Um, I think it gives people a good general idea of how to at least transition from the long-term, broader goals to Mm -hmm. something that's a little bit more dialed in. And whether you have an event or not, if you want to arbitrarily set a short-term goal and just go for it once or twice a year and just be like, all right, let's see what we can get in the next... 8, 12 weeks. Absolutely. I'm going to really dial it in. Yeah. And let's see what we're made of. That's a great thing to do. Yeah. It'll give you a lot of information about yourself. It's worth doing hard things for the sake of them being hard. Yeah. On a regular basis. When we get to a point in the world when we can do traveling again, <laughs> uh, plan a beach vacation, you know, yeah. 15, know, gonna... 15 weeks down the line and then prep for that. Just... Prep to feel good with your shirt off at the beach. So, yeah. yeah. Cool, man. Damn, this is a great episode. This was a solid episode. That was very good. That was a lot of info. Yeah. If you guys have questions about any of that, and there's plenty of room for follow-up questions, that is hardly an exhaustive guide. Yeah. Um, <laughs> please, by all means, reach out to us uh, at Big Freaking Neil on Instagram, at Health Coach Kane on Instagram. Um, we would love to answer every question you have about that. Absolutely. If you guys are interested in the specifics of my prep, if you want more information, um, I'll be posting IGTV and YouTube updates um, every Monday is my plan. And then sort of here and there throughout the week, I'll be posting little updates too. Nice. So you just go to at Big Freakin on Instagram and you'll find it if yeah. you're interested. Subscribe. Subscribe. He always has good stuff on there. Thanks, buddy. Uh, this has been the... 
Big Freaking Health Coach podcast. That's Big Freaking Neil. I'm Health Coach Kane. If this episode is really helpful for you, please give us a five-star review. Share with your friends. Get a couple friends to do this kind of thing with you. Have a nice little accountability group. Oh, hell yeah. And then the group of you can reach out if you have questions. Absolutely. Um, But we are just so glad you guys are listening. You're getting a lot from the program. Uh, Thank you so much for the notes, messages, reviews, and things that you've done so far. Um, It makes this even more fun. Much appreciated. So thanks, you guys. We'll catch you next time. Catch you next time.